Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. Okay. Hey, good morning, everybody. Um, my name is Adam. I'm the pastor here. Glad that you're with us. Uh, everybody's very happy today. It's a happy day outside, isn't it? Oh, gosh, praise the Lord. So much good weather, and we have a bunch more coming, so that's a good thing. Hey, what I want to do this morning is I want to continue our series in James. We're going to look at chapter 4 today. And then at the conclusion of this message, sort of our ministry response is we're going to receive another offering. And uh, we told you last couple of weeks we are going to receive an offering here, and 100% of it's going to go to the family resource centers at each of the schools, so the city school and the county school. And uh, what the Family Resource Center does is it helps kids who are just really struggling. Uh, maybe some kids need some clean clothes, or maybe they just need some basic like hygiene stuff, or maybe they need some food to take home for the weekend. Like You wouldn't believe the things that are happening in this community. And the reason we're doing that is because uh, James, in his letter, his harshest words are towards rich people who don't care for the poor. And we just want to make sure that's not us, right? Like, we want to make sure, like, we're actually Christians, that we actually are looking out for the least of those among us. And um, so we're going to take that up at the end of the service. So if you want to get that ready, you know, get your text to give thing uh, pulled up on your phone. We'd love to invite you into that. But here's what I want to do this morning. I want to talk to you out of James chapter 4. And I'm only going to look at 10 verses. We're not going to put them up just yet. Um, but what I want to do is I want to talk to you about friendship with God this morning. We're going to look at the first 10 verses of James chapter 4. And when we read these verses here in a moment, you're going to realize like James is not messing around. I mean, he's not messing around at any moment in this letter. But like these next 10 verses, he is definitely not messing around. He has gone to full-blown preaching. And it's for us. And so... Uh, we're going to get to that in just a minute, but the first thing I want to do is uh, I just want to talk to you about friendship for a second because I want to eventually get to the scripture and eventually talk about friendship with God. And I guess what I want to say this up at the, at the beginning here. Probably one of, the, one of the very best ways that God has been good to me is in the area of friendships. I, maybe some of us feel the same way. Like One of the ways that I am the most blessed is God has just provided like friendship after friendship for Heather and I. Like uh, we have church friends. Like most of you in this room are like my friends, you know, and that's like amazing. And then there's a bunch of people who are not here with us this morning who are vineyard friends. Think about all the vineyard friends we have just because we come to see Jesus every week and we bump into other people along, along the way, you know. Uh, think about some of the people that you've met here for the last 10 years. That's how I feel. It's like I've been here for the whole darn ride at the vineyard, like 23 or four years, and God has given me so many friends here. And by the way, I want you to know something. Not all pastors are friends with the people at their church. A lot of pastors feel very alienated from their church, and there's lots of reasons why, and it's actually very valid, but I just, I want to tell you, I don't feel that way. I feel like we have vineyard friends. And then beyond that, God has given me friends in the wider vineyard, you know, like like Heather and I have dear friends that we see two or three times a year at like gatherings and they've become like so close. Like I can't think of my friends without thinking of people like 
Robin, Julie, Morgan, and, and thinking about Caleb and Kathy Maskell, and those names mean maybe nothing to you, but they're just people that we've met along the way who are doing this thing we're doing, and it's like so important. And then, and then God has given me mountain bike friends. And they're mountain, like, like my mountain bike buddies, they're very different than my church buddies. And it's so refreshing, you know? And then I have gym friends. And how many of you know that gym friends are, that's different too, you know? And then some of our gym friends have become church friends. And that's really special, you know? But, but one of the things that I've seen that I can honestly say every day of the week, you know, if I were to pray a thankfulness prayer list, like friendship has to go on the list. Like I just have to look at God and go, you know what? If you never give me another thing in my life, if I, if I spend the rest of my life like poor and destitute and diseased, God's been good to me because I have friends. You know, it's just, gosh, I have people. Like people look out for us. People look out for me and Heather. People look out for my kids. I've got this, uh, I've got this one friend up in Chicago, Ted Kim. Ted Kim, he's a pastor. Um, he's, he's like a dear, dear friend. Ted's not just my friend. But he's become my son's friend. Like, he texts River and Seth. What? How many of you know you want friends who are your kids' friends? And that's like, that's really important. You know, because so, there's some things that my kids won't even listen to me on. But if, if Ted says it, they'll, <laughs> they, think it's, they think it's amazing. <laughs> anyway. Friends, really, really important. Um, here's, the, here's another category of friends I have. I even have, I even have friends who are family. <laughs> and I was writing that down and I was like, you know, that's weird because sometimes you're not friends with your family, you know? Uh, that's not always what happens. And that's, it's really different when you're friends with your family because you can't choose your family. It's like one of the special things about friends is you, you get to choose your friends, but you don't get to choose your family. And if... By some chance, the people that you don't choose are actually your friends? Well, that's amazing. That's amazing. What a blessing when you find that your family are people that you'd actually choose, even if they weren't your family. That's a blessing. And this is even true of my immediate family. Uh, my immediate family and I, we went to the mountains this week to, you know, just get away or whatever, and to, and to have some time out, outside. And, and one of the things I was reflecting on on the, on the drive home is, what a joy it is to have older children and to realize they're great people. Like, I came home, like, they were in another car, you know, because, like, our family's so darn big now. Like, if we go mountain biking in the mountains, like, there's not one car. Like, not even, not even one of those, like, Mennonite buses. Like, it just don't work for the Russells and all of our gears. So we have to take two cars. And all my older kids were riding home in a separate car, and I was just kind of, like, driving. You know how when you drive, your brain kind of, like... It, it goes to another space. But I was in this space and I was just going, I, my kids are great. Like, I, they were awesome this week. We did the coolest stuff. We had one of the most adventurous days ever. Seth saw a bear. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, it was amazing, right? And, and so God's been really good to me. And here's one of the things I know. I know this. I know if you spend your life making friends, you'll spend your life wisely. Which brings me to the scripture this morning. Because James is holding out to us the possibility of being friends with God. Okay? So if we can, let's read the first 10 verses. And by the way, James ain't messing around, so don't get shocked here, okay? Here's what he says. He says, What is causing quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? 
You want what you don't have, so you scheme and you kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. Underline this if you have a Bible highlighted on your phone. You only want what will give you pleasure. Verse 4, you adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you'll make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is a that God is passionate, that the spirit he has is placed within us, should be faithful to him. And he gives us grace generously, as the scriptures say. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and he will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, Purify your heart, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you've done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. That's today's text. James makes some powerful statements in these 10 verses. It's preaching. I think the center of this text and the center that I want to sort of do a little work around this morning is in verse 4 where he says, friendship with the world is to be an enemy of God. I think that's the heart of this particular section. And I want to talk about that for a few minutes this morning. I want to talk about friendship with God. But let's start here first. And we can do interactive time. Shout through your masks. (laughs) particular things. (laughs) What are some of the hallmarks of friendship? Who said communication? Right here. High five. Communication. Acceptance. What? Huh? Time. You spend time with your friends. What else? Loyalty. Somebody said honesty. Somebody said food. (laughs) Trust. What else? Hardened coffee. coffee. Like you you go to places together. Why has no one said fun? Friendship is supposed to be fun, you guys. I can't let this go any longer. I mean, yes, we cry with our friends, but we don't just cry with our friends, right? We mostly like do dumb stuff and have fun. All right, what else? What else what else are the hallmarks of friendship? Vulnerability. Accountability. Accountability. Like sometimes you need a friend to come to you and say, "Hey, you're losing your mind. I've known you for 25 years. We've had fun for 24 and a half in the last 6 months. You've not been fun. You're losing your mind." Yeah, you need a friend. By the way, by the way, you're, you might not even be real friends with someone until you have somebody who's close enough to you to, to call you on your bull. Yeah. You know? It's like, yeah, I, I kind of agree with that a lot, actually. Yeah, what else? Laughter. Laughter. It's on the list, Kevin. Thank you. Finally, some... <laughs> like, like, what do you mostly do with your best friends? 
Like you mostly, I mean, I don't know about girls, but guys, we just laugh, y'all. Like we just, and it's, and it's mostly at one another. Like, like here's how you know the guys have accepted you when they start busting on you in front of the other ones about things you wish they wouldn't at the beginning. It's like, okay, you're in, you know? Uh, that's how you know. You know, that would ruin girlfriendships in a minute, you know? It's like your hair is ugly and your fingernails are stupid, you know? <laughs> yeah. Guys are like, guys are like, you're fat and your truck is dumb, you know? And it's like, and then everyone else is like, it, it, you are, you know? Yeah. Anything else? Adventure. Adventure, yeah. Somebody who's along for the journey. Along for the journey. Longevity. Longevity. Like, listen, anybody can have a friend for six months, right? Who has, anybody in the room have fr friends that have been friends for decades? Dude, I'm telling you, it's a work of the Spirit. That is a sign. Like, if you don't have friends that have, you know, have been with you for decades, that's actually something where you put your antenna and go up, something's wrong here. It's not them, it's probably me. Like, people were made to have friendships that last decades. Yeah. Uh, what about this one? This should maybe be on the list too. Friends help you move. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's how you know, right? Like, when you feel comfortable asking them to move, and they, they're like, I don't really want to, but I will. It's like that Jesus parable where Jesus says there's a guy who comes and knocks on the door and says, some friends came out of nowhere and I don't have any bread. Will you give me some bread? And the guy in bed says, no, I'm in bed. Go home. And the guy keeps knocking. And he says, Jesus says, he eventually gets up and gets him bread, even though he doesn't want to. But my favorite part of the story is the guy first tells the guy, no, I won't get up. I'm in bed, right? How do you know? What is that? They're really friends. Yeah, I'm not getting up. Tell your other friend to go away, you know? <laughs> Love that. Anyway... Those are some of the hallmarks of friendship this morning, and I, I want to use that as a starting point to sort of drill into the text, and I want to talk about friendship or faithfulness to God. I want to say three things this morning about it from the text, and the first thing I want to say is that friendship with God is possible. That's one of the things that James is holding out to us, and we kind of have to reverse engineer this a little bit. And if you're wondering how I'm going to reverse engineer it, you might actually need to just pull up verse 4. So maybe we could do that, Rachel. Thank you. We want to reverse engineer. This is like definitely where James is pouring hot oil on everything. <laughs> you adulterers. But friendship, the first thing I want to say is friendship with God is possible. We have to reverse engineer it. This is how it goes. Pastor James is going hard in the paint. He's telling Christians, by the way, that's really important here. He's not yelling at the world. He's, he's shouting at Christians. He's telling Christians that they're in danger of becoming deeply unfaithful to God by their actions. And it's the reason he calls them adulterous. He's not calling them adulterers because they're actually committing adultery, though some of them might be committing adultery. He's calling them adulterous because they're being unfaithful to God. That's what he's saying. He says, you're being a friend to the world. You're not being a friend to God. And it's not just friendship, but it's like it's, it's going to this deeper thing and it has something to do with faithfulness to God. Another word for faithfulness to God is actually friendship to God. So we have to define a term here just for a minute. When James is talking about the world in this passage, 
when he's talking about the world, he's talking about how the world acts or how the world works, okay? So what he's saying is, you're in danger of losing your friendship with God because you've become friends with the world, which is just another way of saying, you've become really good at operating in the way the world operates, doing things the way the world does them, and then coming to church. Again, I'm a broken record on this, but trajectory is real, and the way the kingdom comes is ultimately the kingdom that comes. In the previous section before this, in the first three verses, James is talking about quarrels and fights and warring, and he says that those are all strategies that we employ to get what we want. Y'all remember that section? He's like, why are y'all fighting? Why are you arguing? Why are you warring to get what you want? You don't have what you want because you don't ask God. And then he finally says, and even when you do ask God, he doesn't give it to you because your motives are wrong and your motive is you just want what's good for you. Like, how does the world work? What is, what is the world in this section? The world is, oh my goodness, Christians have lost friendship with God because they've gotten really good at getting what they want by arguing, fighting, and warring. And even when they do go to prayer, it's only for themselves. Like, okay, so there's the, there's the beginning of the message, okay? And that's a big deal. But in the midst of this correction, I don't want us to miss the invitation. And the invitation is this, that if it's possible to lose friendship with God, it means that we were actually made for friendship with God. Don't miss the invitation. James is warning us about being unfaithful to God because there's a possibility that we could be friends with him. If it's possible to be friends with God, then that's what we're created for. And here's what I want you to know this morning, church. Life is not just work and cleaning the house and taking care of the kids and going to school and finding a career and doing the Monday to Friday thing so that you can go play on Saturday and Sunday. Life is not just those things. Life can't be reduced to just that. Jesus says that eternal life, John chapter 17, verse 3, is what? Knowing the Son that the Father has sent. If you want real life, you have to know Him. Like, so here's the deal. Part of your life is work, school, raise the kids, clean the house, take out the dog, buy some dog food, you know, all those things, right? Like that's, that's life, but that's not all that life is. And if we reduce our life to only those things, or if we reduce our, reduce our lives only to the point that we're working so that we can go have a hobby, we're missing, we're forfeiting the thing you were actually born for, which is to know God, to be friends with God. I, I've been coming back to this verse over and over again since COVID hit. John chapter 17, verse three, eternal life is to know the son. By the way, and you can have it now. Like eternity isn't just happening in eternity. Eternity is breaking into the now. Like you can have it now. You know, it, you don't, have, don't wait to know Jesus later. Like, like you might want to know what, what happens if you don't know him now or you don't, you don't spend time becoming a friend with God and then you get there only to find out you think it sucks. That's the Dallas Willard version. Friendship with God is possible. The danger of friendship with the world is that it can blind us to the possibility of being real and actual friends with God. You can, you can be a friend to God. Here's why. Because God is not an idea. God is not simply a concept. Here's the other thing I want to say. 
God is not simply higher consciousness. That's another fun idea that floats around later, uh, a lot right now in the world. And I just want to tell you, God is not simply higher consciousness. God is life itself fully manifested in the person of Jesus Christ who came for everyone who was alienated that they might receive the open arms of the Father. That's what God is. God is not simply higher consciousness. No, God is embodiment in the Son who came that the alienated might experience the embrace of God. That, and by the way, that distinction is very, very important. God is life itself manifested in the Son. The Christian God is a person. And if the Christian God is a person, then it means the Christian God is knowable. And if the Christian God is knowable, and if the Christian God is like Jesus, and Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says that Jesus is the exact representation of the Father, if that's true, and if God is like Jesus, then it means uh, it's entirely possible that we could be friends with him because Jesus was a friend to what? Sinners. Like, this is actually good news. God is like Jesus. You can be friends with God. I, here's some things I just want to say really clear. You can be friends with God, not just worship him. You can enjoy God and not just fear him. You can call on God for help because he's a friend. You know, some of us have grown up thinking, well, uh, you got to worship God. Yeah, it's true. You should worship God because he's God. But uh, you, don't forfeit the friendship. You don't, like, God is not to be kept at a distance. He's to be brought near. And you can call on him for help. You can ask him to move because he's a friend. Jesus looks at his disciples in John chapter 15, and after three years, he tells them, I no longer call you servants. Instead, I call you what? I call you friends. Yeah. And in the Old Testament, Abraham was a friend to God. Remember that story? Abraham was going into the city, and God says, you know what? kind of tired of that city. <laughs> going to get rid of that city. And Abraham says, you know, why don't you not? Like, why, like, like what if there's some people there who are your people? And Abraham keeps getting God to change his mind about what he was going to do. Why would God do that? They were friends. Now, the Bible says that Moses would, would speak to God face to face, face to face, like a friend speaks to a friend. Like th that's in the Old Testament, you know? And Paul says in, in Corinthians 3, he says like, well, if it was, like, if it was true in the old T, and the OT is like losing glory, like it's fading, like how much more? How much more in the new? How much more? Friendship is possible. It's actually what you were made for. Uh, number two, this is something that comes up in the James passage. Friendship with God is exclusive. There's a reason that James's language is so hot here. Friendship is about mutuality. I've been thinking about it this week. Friendship is about mutuality, you know? Uh, if there isn't something mutual about the relationship, then it's either coercive or it's codependent. You know? If there isn't like some genuine giving and receiving, then it goes into some other category that's by definition toxic. And so because of that, there's something about friendship with God that has an exclusive note. Friendship is about enjoying each other. It's about laughter. It's about giving to each other, but it's also about receiving from each other. And as a result, there's a note of exclusion that we have to wrestle with. James says we can't be friends with the world and maintain a closeness with God. 
Uh, how many people here have ever had this happen? How many of you have ever made a friend and you got close to that friend? And then after a period of time, that friend became friends with another group of friends and then they drifted away. That's normal, right? Like it happens. Maybe that even happened to you. I mean, it doesn't even mean that something bad happened. It just means that like relationships can move, right? Uh, one of the things about friendship is, is that there's gravity to friendships. And there's gravity in friend groups. And, and, you know, depending on who your friends are and what's going on, you can like either be absorbed into the gravity or you can like catch some other orbit with some different friends and some different gravities. And that's part of what James is saying to us this morning. You can't maintain a friendship with the world. You can't get into that orbit and ma maintain a closeness with God. It's easy to get pulled into another orbit. And by the way, this is not about reducing everything to a petty, moralistic checklist. I want you to know something this morning. It is 100% true that God comes to the world to save us from the world. Uh, it's true that he leaves the 99 to go and find the one. It's true that Jesus comes to seek and save the lost. And it's also true that we cannot maintain this kind of division in our lives. Jesus says you can't serve two masters. You can't. You can't serve two masters. Uh, James says we can't have these two as friends. Eventually, we'll choose the one over the other. Can't maintain a friendship with the world and a closeness to God. You can't, you can't get really good at doing the things the world does the way the world does it and stay near to God. So how do we discern? How do we know if we have become friends with the world? How does one strike up a friendship with God? Of course, Spiritual disciplines are important, right? Like read your Bible and pray. That's always really important. Come to church. Hear the story of God. Uh, but the text is quite instructive here. How do we know? How do we discern? Uh, here's how. It's in those first three verses, that opening section, when James is saying, why are you quarreling? Why are you fighting? Why are you warring? Even when you pray, you don't get what you want. It's in that last line. Because you only want what brings you pleasure. Friendship with God is not self-focused, it's other-focused. Like, how do we build a real friendship with God? Look at how the text starts. Why don't we put maybe verse 2 or 3 up? You want what you don't have. So you scheme and you kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have. Can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. You don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. Verse 3. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You only want what will give you pleasure. Like, like, how do we become friends with the world? By being selfish. Like, really selfish. By only seeing other people as competition or as a means to get what I want. Right? And here's the scary part. James is saying this to Christians. Right? And if we live into that sort of flow, we're living out of closeness with God. Gets really practical. If you want to review those three verses later, look at all the look at all the action words in those verses: fighting, quarreling, jealousy, envy, bad prayers, and then finally, only what will bring one pleasure. James says there's fighting, jealousy, material envy, interior evil, all as an emphasis on what brings me pleasure and all at the expense of others, it's counter to the very nature 
of God in Christ Jesus. Uh, and this is why that's important. A God in Christ Jesus. It's the Jesus who did not come to be served, but who came to serve. It's the Jesus who made wine for others, uh, even though the others were the ones who didn't properly prepare for the wedding feast. Like, like wh who, what is God like? John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he what? That he gave, right? Like, what is God like? And then, then when you look at the son that he gave, what is the son like? Uh, he, he, he makes wine for people who didn't plan. Uh, he heals the sick every single time. Uh, lepers come to him and say, Jesus, I know that you could heal me if you're willing. And Jesus reaches out and touches the leper. This is like Mark chapter 1, maybe like verse 20, and says to him, I am willing. Boom. Every time. Jesus makes food for hungry people. What is, what is God like? What is Jesus like? Uh, Jesus was never looking for himself, was he? He was always looking for others. And he was always doing for others. He was always giving for others. He was always giving and giving and giving. And James is very clear. If we live for ourselves, we've become a friend to the world because the God who is revealed in Jesus Christ is a giver. He's not a taker. We can't live for ourselves and hope to be friends with a God who gives and gives and gives and gives. Friendship is being friend to God's friends. Friendship with God is supporting those that God loves and cares for. Look around the room this morning. Look at all these people in this room. Every single one of these people is an opportunity to get to know God better because everyone is a chance to develop a deeper friendship with God, and that's because God lives in every single one of these people. In fact, he lives in all the people you're going to meet today, whether they know it or not. God loves them, and he cares about them. And if we give and start to become like the God who gives, we have a deeper friendship with that God, and it's one based on experience. How many of you know that uh, if, you have, if you have a career, and you meet somebody else who's in that same field, that there is a fraternity that's immediate because you have shared experiences, right? I'll just tell you one, like, one very quick story. Like, I can meet a pastor anywhere. I've been pastoring, I've been the lead pastor of this church for like 14 years. I was like worship leader for another nine before that. I've been doing this thing for over 20 years, which is really weird when I think about it. But I've been doing this kind of thing for over 20 years. And when I meet pastors, it doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter if they're Catholic priests. It doesn't matter if they're Anglicans, if they're Southern Baptists. It doesn't matter if they're Methodists. It doesn't matter if they're crazy Pentecostals. Uh, there's a fraternity. There's a fraternity that's immediately and immediate. And I can talk to any pastor immediate. And we have like a heart connection because we know what it is to do this weird thing that we do. You know, and that's based on all kinds of things. Like we know what it is to like to like have families come to your church and to like to baptize their kids and to like see them all go to college. That's a weird thing. I've had that happen. You know, and we know what it is to like uh, bury people that that sat behind you two rows and you heard them sing for twenty years. Like there's a fraternity there, and it's a friendship connection. It's a heart connection based on experience. And and here's what I know. When you and I begin to live our lives for others, when we begin to see others, when we begin to give to others, and especially when we begin to care for the poor and the needy, we have a friendship with God because he is the God who gives. 
He is the God who sees. He's the God who heals. He makes wine for people who didn't plan. He makes food for people who didn't take a picnic. Uh, This is who God is. And to be a friend of the world is to live for oneself. And by definition, it is to take us away from who God is. Okay, so what do we do when we realize we've missed the mark? What do we do when we realize... uh, We ain't getting it done, either by what we've done or what we haven't. Well, well, here's what you do. It's a Bible word. Uh, We repent. James says that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. James says, draw close to God, and he'll draw close to you. Uh, Here's what repent means, by the way. Repent means turn around. Repent means turn around. Uh, This week, we were in the mountains. We were riding like giant trails in the middle of the Pisgah Forest, and I've never been there. And a couple times, a couple times I got into the mountains and, uh, you know, I would have to stop the ride. I'd be with River and Seth and Maggie and I'd look and I'd go, look on our map and I'd hit the, like the GPS thing and I'd find where we're at. I'm like, no, this is not the right trail. In fact, one time we kept trying to find the right trail and we got the wrong trail three times. Right? What do you do when you, when you find out you're on the wrong trail? Like you thought you were following Jesus, turns out you were following uh, the friendship with the world. Uh, you take the blue dot back over to the other path. You turn around, right? Yeah. And if you do that, guess what God won't do? He won't beat you up about it. You know, like he will, he will accept you and he will open his arms to you. Repent means turn around. Sarah, we, it's really important that we see where we've been more of a friend to the world than a friend to God. And by the way, that's sometimes really hard to see. James says, humble yourself. James says, resist the devil. James says, draw close to God. He says, wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts. He also says, tears, sadness, and grief. I just want to tell you something. Sometimes tears, sadness, and grief are a good thing. Like if we find out that we've been more of a a friend to the world than God, and it brings us to tears and sadness and grief, it's a good thing. Like sometimes the church needs to be stricken with tears and not just dancing in joy. It's really true. Uh, like if, if our theology is only joy and more and blessing, I'm telling you, it's a pagan theology will eventually lead you away from Jesus who dies on the cross with tears in his eyes. Like, like the, the gospel of the kingdom is sometimes tears and sadness and joy because it's the only way to, to, real, uh, to real joy uh, uh, that, that comes in the life of Jesus. Like the other stuff, it looks like it on the surface, but it isn't. And if you've gone on the wrong path, the only thing to do is to repent. This week I was reading, I was reading N.T. Wright. N.T. Wright, the Anglican bishop and Bible scholar. Uh, everyone here should eventually read at least a little bit of N.T. Wright. Uh, you might even think, well, I don't, I don't, I'm not even interested in that. He's brilliant and he's a joy to read. Um, I was reading N.T. Wright and I was reading what he said about these particular verses. And N.T. Wright says, he suggested that, that Christians at some point in their life take six months to get a spiritual director and to pray through these 10 verses and pray through all the ways in which friendship with the world has polluted their connection to God. And he suggested that taking each of these fiery sermon points from James as an invitation to introspection, to see the places where we're tempted so that we can start to resist the devil. To have some kind of a plan to come close to God. To consider the things, James says, wash your hands. How many of you know that if James is talking about wash your hands, he's talking about, like, think about the things you've been doing, right? Like, 
Like, get somebody to help you see what you've been doing and go, God, I, I, want, I don't want to be a friend of the world. I want to, be a, I want to be a friend of Jesus, you know? I want to touch lepers. I don't want to just... That's what I want to do. Sometimes we have to repent. Uh, just yesterday on social media, I saw a really good example. At least an example of repentance. Just yesterday on social media, one of the prophetic voices who prophesied numerous times that Trump would be president got on his social media account and repented. We don't see that often. By the way, all the other charismatic prophets who said Trump would be president, they need to get on social media and repent as well. Uh, It's a good thing to say that you went down the wrong path and that you didn't hear from God and to turn around and come back, you know? It's a good thing to go, you know what? We, We assigned things to a person that weren't true. And to come back into the merciful arms of Jesus. It's a good thing to see the ways in which we've become a friend to the world. Or we've, we've cozied up to power in, in really, really harmful ways. And to go, you know what? That ain't it. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. We don't see it often. I was really, really touched by that. James says, humble yourself. James says, draw close to God. And the good news is, if you do humble yourself, God will what? He'll pick you up. James says, if you get low, God will be the one who picks you up. James says, if you'll come near to God, if you'll come near to the God who gives to other people, if you'll come near to the God who serves the poor and the needy, that God will come near to you. Jesus says in Matthew 25, he says, if you give to the poor, and he says, if you give a drink of water to the thirsty person, and if you visit a prisoner, and if you clothe the naked, he says, he, didn't, he doesn't say you do it for me. He, said it, he says you do it to me. Like one of the things the church has to learn right now is that like worldly definitions of power, they're completely bogus. They're completely bogus. Uh, and that the way to meet the truly powerful one is to, is to go and find the people who seem the least powerful. And in doing so, you will meet not just the person, but you will meet Jesus himself. He says, if you clothe the naked, if you feed the poor, if you give a drink to the thirsty, if you visit prisoners, it's one the church doesn't do much. Like, and you might be thinking, well, they deserve to go to jail. By the way, when Jesus was crucified, everyone who walked by him said, he de- he's getting what he deserves, right? Jesus is forever identified with people who get what they deserve on the cross. And Jesus says, if you go and you, you give yourself to these people, he says, He doesn't say, you did it for me. He says, you did it to me. That's what James is saying here. You know? He's saying, like, goodness gracious, can't be a friend to the world and be close to God. That's the message this morning. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.